This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. All right, Celebration Church, let's all stand together. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Again, good to have you with us this morning in our campus over in Stevens Point. Our Appleton campus is still a little bit in the wind. I'm mostly joining online, but uh, we have a new campus pastor uh, that started there and uh, making plans on finding a place to meet and getting that work going again, so we're excited about that. Hope that you're all enjoying our 4th of July weekend. Uh, actual summer has shown up in Wisconsin. What a shock. <laughs> Don't worry, it'll snow next week. So anyway, uh, I hope you're having a good time and, and nobody blew themselves up. That would be horrible. Uh, but we're so glad that you are, are joining with us. Um, uh, we're going to take our offering right now. Uh, and just to let you know that, again, as I said at the beginning, most of the people in our church still are at home. And that is fine with us. Whatever you're comfortable with. People have varying, varying levels of comfort uh, with this whole COVID thing. Those who are comfortable here and distance according to their uh, comfort level is perfectly fine with us. We're, we're glad for those. Uh, it's great for me preaching. It's not just Becky. <laughs> Although she makes a great audience, I got to tell you. Uh, but uh, many still at home. Some have wondered, you know, if I come, can I wear a mask? Absolutely. We make fun of us. No, we will not. Not that I'd ever do anything like that. But, uh, <laughs> but no, we're making fun of you. Some of our musicians, if you're paying attention, are wearing masks. It's just whatever. And for varying reasons. Some people are around people that they have to protect themselves and because of sick family members and stuff like that. So we have no problem. Uh, if you want to come wearing a mask, you can certainly come wearing a mask. Whatever you're good with, we are there for you. We are for you. And we want to help build up your faith as we celebrate God, even through times of trouble and, and uh, uncertainty. Uh, there is a very sure rock in the midst of the storm, and his name is Jesus. And... Uh, Yes, amen. You know, uh, when the waves are crashing around you, you just hang on to what isn't moving. <laughs> uh, 
and, uh, and Jesus doesn't move. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, the Bible says. So we're continuing to do that. Um, uh, we don't have any children's uh, programs going right now in the building, stuff like that, because you, you can't get those little rascals to distance. So uh, we're just whatever people are comfortable. So the kids are in here with us. It's fine with us. Every once in a while, they'll make noise. That is fine with me. It's the sounds of life. It doesn't rattle me at all. If, however, they start screeching like little banshees, please take them out there, okay? And you can watch up on the screens and stuff like that. Uh, so anyway, what was I doing? Oh, we're taking the offering. So because we're not all gathered together, we need to take the offering virtually or here. Some of you can uh, use the little cards on the back, or many of you give online. You'll see those of you watching online can click on the online button, or you can give uh, via texting. And if Celebration Church is your church, you're watching us this morning, this is where you come to. Even if you're in Cincinnati, I don't care where, we've got people all over the country. If this is your church, you need to give just like everybody else. Uh, the easiest way for those at a distance, you can just use your cell phone, or some of you can use your cell phones right now, and some of you are grabbing them. Just send a message to this number, 77977. That's the number that you're texting to, 77977. And in the message, put CCWI, Celebration Church, Wisconsin, CCWI, and then the amount, and hit send. And that's, we'll take care of that. So continue to uh, support your church. You want to continue to give because you want God to give back to you. Give, Jesus said, and it will be given to you. And as long as we're faithful, God will be faithful back to us. So, uh, or again, online or however you give, or checks. You can still do the checks. A lot of people still mail their checks every Sunday, every Monday morning, I think. Very faithful people. They mail the checks into the church. Uh, we appreciate that. Anything and everything that you can do, great. If people do want to do checks and stuff, is there offering buckets on the way out? That's, yeah, so we're not handing stuff around. So you can do that. <laughs> all right, all that. Um, just a quick update. Many of you know that uh, our uh, Debbie, uh, Deanna, got the right wife here. Deanna, <laughs> hey, 45 years with Debbie, it's hard to shake that. When the next one also starts with a D-E. Um, but uh, Deanna's uh, dad went in for surgery uh, on Tuesday. We appreciate your prayers. It went extraordinarily well. Uh, he was released less than 24 hours later. They were all kind of surprised and said, wow, we don't see this very often. Uh, and he's 80 years old. Uh, he came home. He didn't, didn't even have a headache. You know, I mean, stunning. So it'll take him a while to get 100% and continue to remind, remind, remember him in your prayers. At 80, we don't heal as quickly as at 16, but he's doing great and in good spirits. And we're looking for, we're trusting he's going to be back to 100%. So we're very, very grateful to all of your prayers and support. All right, let's get to the message this morning. Um, reading from the book of Romans in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul is writing to the Roman church. We're at chapter 7, starting at verse 15. Paul writes this. Uh, he says, I do not understand what I do. Anybody ever feel like that? <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I do the stuff that I do. Uh, and uh, he starts out, I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, that I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. What he's talking about here is uh, all the Old Testament rules and, you know, the Ten Commandments and everything. 
He says, when, when I admit that I struggle with these things, it's good to have that standard, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not lie, see, all these different things. Uh, he says, as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know what good, uh, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, 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 it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. So we talked about this last week, about the power of sin. And this is what Paul is writing about. And uh, we talked that, you know, he said, either you surrender yourself as a servant to God and receive the life-giving power that comes from that, or you surrender yourself as a servant to sin. And we had that sermon, you got to serve somebody. And we jammed it out, <laughs> which I had a blast doing that. And uh, so this is the struggle. And then he says, well, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And then he says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And as he goes on and he goes into the next chapter, he starts describing, you don't have to live this way. He is describing what it's like when you're trying to do good on your own. And as we read last week, Romans the sixth chapter, just before this one, he says, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. You know what wages is, right? You work and then you get wages at the end of the week or the month or whenever you get paid. Uh, you get paid. The wages of sin, there's a payoff. Everything has a payoff. There is no neutral situation here. If you give yourself to sin, the payout from this is death. It's always death. But the gift of God that payout is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Uh, with sin, there is a price to pay. And today we read about the struggle with sin. Here's the thing. If you try to do and deal with sin, that which you should not be doing, uh, if you try and do it on your own, you will fail. Nobody pulls this off. Nobody. Uh, if you're, don't try and reason with it. Oh, it'll be okay. I've kind of got it under control. Um, you know, it's really not that bad. I'm not as bad as my mother-in-law. Whatever your point of reference is, and everybody does these. I love my mother-in-law, by the way. All these things, um, we compare ourselves to people, and we, we try and reason ourselves. And uh, It's okay if I do this, and it won't be that bad. But in the end, it always gets you. You cannot succeed by trying to reason with sin. The only way out of it is to surrender yourself and yield yourself to Christ and let the power of Christ live in you and sets you free. This is why we pray. This is that plug-in into the power of God. This is why we sing and celebrate the good news of the gospel. This is why we get together at church or join with us at church online uh, to get fed and to get energized. That's why we read the Bible. All these things is when we're doing this, it sets us free from the poison of sin that is around us. And make no mistake, it is actually very, very poisonous. Uh, and if you want the victory over these things, because all, all, in the end, everybody just regrets 
the sin. At the time, it feels fabulous. <laughs> That's the problem. But, you know, at the end, it's just regret, and it's pain, and it's sorrow, and it eats away at you. What a wretched man, Paul said, who will rescue me from this body of, the, of death. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Sin promises freedom, but only real freedom comes in serving Jesus. <clears throat> and I warned uh, last week, especially to the young people, you know, all of your lives in this church, we have encouraged you to honor God and to, uh, and to avoid the things. You know, when the Bible talks about sin, and it's pretty specific about the, there's really not that many, to be honest with you, but it seems to capture everybody. The anger, lust, bitterness, drunkenness, whatever these different things, sexual sins. Uh, when we talk about these things, it's not to put people down. There are churches that do that. When they talk about sin, they just delight in pointing out what's wrong with everybody else. Uh, and they like to beat up, because it makes themselves feel better. It's one of the reasons I'm convinced that so many churches love to pile on particular sins, like sins of homosexuality. Oh, they love to beat up on that. Why? Because most of them don't have this problem. Uh, and by beating up on somebody else, they, they feel better about themselves. First of all, we're not supposed to be beating up on anybody. Somebody say amen. amen. All right? I mean, we're supposed to love people. We're supposed to love people and encourage people. The reason for talking about sin is to warn us these are the things that lead to death, uh, that are poison. It'll poison your soul. It'll poison your life. It just makes life ickier. Icky, 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 icky. You want to be as icky-free as you possibly can. So this isn't about condemning people. This isn't whenever we talk about right and wrong. This doesn't make people feel bad. And it's certainly not about picking on certain things that most of us can feel better about ourselves. Don't ever point at other people. Don't look down your bony ecclesiastical nose at others and say, oh, I'm glad I'm not like those people. You know? At least I'm not like my neighbor. And I'm like, Arr. you know, hey, we're all sinners, right? We all need God's grace in our lives. And uh, so the purpose of this, when the Bible talks about these things, is to avoid the things that lead to death. The wages of sin, the payout at the end of this is always death. It's icky. Sin promises, however, freedom. And that you're young people, as you leave home and you get out on your own and you'll be going to college and stuff, you are going to be surrounded by a sea of people who will encourage you to do the wrong thing, say, it's awesome, it's wonderful, you will be free, 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 free. And it feels like freedom, but in the end, the payout is always death. Uh, this morning, I want to read from the gospel, uh, Luke, the 15th chapter. And this is the parable of uh, the prodigal son. And uh, verse 15, I'm sorry, verse 11 of chapter 15, Luke. Jesus said, there, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he's, he's old enough now that he's, he can legally separate from his father and go on on his own. And he's basically asking for his share of his inheritance early. And, uh, and so the, the father went along with this. He divided his property between the two sons. Well, the one son stayed at home with dad, continuing to uh, take care of the property. But uh, the other one decided to take this freedom and go have a really good time. So not long after he got the money, and if there's one thing about people who 
are not used to money, it burns a hole in their pocket very quickly. And the urge to go splurge it is very intense. So it wasn't long after that, the younger son got together everything he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. He went to partay. And I'll bet you he had lots of friends. Everybody loves the guy who's buying rounds for everybody else, right? And, you know, making everything as possible. Because no doubt this was a significant amount of money. When you look at the, the, how they describe the father, I mean, he's got servants, he's got property, he's got... This was a wealthy man. Um, so I'm sure that his take when, when the son took his share was a sizable amount. Now, the next verse says, after he had spent everything. Now, we don't know how long that was. So there's a gap here. We don't know how long he was in the situation. My guess, probably quite a while. This is a significant amount of money. And this is, you know, back in the day when money went a long way. You know, it's, it's not, <laughs> it doesn't go quite as long today, but back in the day, it was a big deal. So he probably partied for a really long time. And I'll bet you he was having what he felt at the time was the time of his life. He was having so much fun, right? Freedom, freedom, woo! But remember, you got to serve somebody. The, the problem with uh, the world of sin and doing the wrong things and turning your back on your faith is it can seem so freeing, but it is in fact very poisoning. And you just don't see the result. It's kind of like smoking cigarettes, and I'm and it's not here to slam anybody who smokes it. The Bible actually doesn't say anything about smoking cigarettes. Is it a sin? The Bible doesn't say anything about it. You want to light yourself up? Light yourself up. Uh, but we know today you're going to get very, very sick if you do this. The thing is, it takes a really long time. And, you know, and by the time you kick the cigarettes, it's hard to do because it's very, very addicting. And then in the end, you know, the emphysema, the breathing problems, cancers, all, this, all the stuff that comes along with it. Uh, if that were to happen in the first week of smoking cigarettes, my guess is no one would smoke. Nobody would do it. If you knew that starting this week, you and your buddies were going to start smoking, and then at the end of the week, half of them had cancer, lung cancer, you wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. But because it takes years and years and years and years for it to have its final effect, it's very enticing and it's easy to do. This is true virtually with any version of sin that you come up with, lying, stealing, cheating, immorality, all the different things that we're warned that will poison us. It's easy to get caught up in this. So this guy is having a just fabulous time and he's blowing all his money. <clears throat> Again, I would think this took quite a while. So in verse 14, it says, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. My guess, as soon as he ran out of money, he ran out of friends. Uh, as soon as they couldn't get anything out of him, they walked away from him. That's kind of the way the world works. They'll promise you everything, if you'll go along, but when you can't give them what they want, they will dump you. <clears throat> so, uh, he's desperate now. There's a famine in the land. All of his money is gone. So he goes and he hires himself out to a citizen of that country, and the only job he could get was he went to the fields to feed pigs. 
And the Bible says, Jesus said in his parable, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When you're hanging out with pigs and that looks really good to you, (laughs) it's a bad day for you. He was so hungry. He envied the slop the pigs were eating. He was, he hit bottom, rock bottom. And usually this is the end result of going in the direction you shouldn't go. Uh, But verse 17, Jesus says, when he came to his senses, thank God. Some of us, it happened when we were young. Some of us didn't happen to when we were much older. But at some point, by God's grace, you come to your senses and say, what in the world am I doing? And he said, how many of my father's hired servants? And he's got a lot of them. Dad is loaded. All the servants, man, they have food to spare. And here I am starving to death. So he comes up with a plan. He says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, and he rehearses this speech. He's going to, because this is humiliating at this point. He has embarrassed himself. He has done everything he should not do. He has wasted everything his father had given him. And now he has to go back in humiliation. And he rehearses the speech. He says, this is what I'm going to say. I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he says, look, I I know I don't get the status of son anymore. I have thrown that away. I don't deserve that anymore. I'm just looking for a job. You hire lots of guys. Could you just at least give me a job? So this is what he's thinking. And it says, so he got up and went to his father, which is a wonderful thing at this point. And and let me encourage you. I I talked about uh, last week to many of our young people, and I, I say this often uh, as at the end of the school year when they're getting ready to go off to school. Look, we have shared with you how to live your life. Uh, and many of you will do extraordinarily well and be blessed and have a wonderful life, and you'll be plugged into this life by doing God's will. But some of you won't. It's, it's just, it is what it is. I don't know who it will be, but overwhelmingly there's someone, a group, that just turn their back on everything that we've taught them all their lives. Um, and they'll be like the prodigal son here. And for the longest time, it'll seem wonderful. It'll seem great. It seems like it makes sense. I don't know why. I listen to my parents in that church and stuff. I'm so better. But in the end, in the end, it always brings death. And as I said last week, and I said many times, listen to me, <clears throat> you always have a home here. No matter what you've done, whether you've honored God your whole life or maybe you've done everything we shared, man, don't do that stuff. And you did it anyway. Don't ever feel that you, you can't come here. Don't ever feel too ashamed that we're, you know, so we're, we're going to look down on you. We, we don't do that. We all understand. You always have a home here. All right? <clears throat> we will always be here for you, and we will love you and encourage you and do whatever we can to help you get back to where you need to be. Don't be like Adam and Eve. In the story of Adam and Eve, uh, the devil comes along. God says, listen, I've given you all this beautiful stuff. And you can imagine how gorgeous this place had to be. It's just one rule. <clears throat> and you have to have one rule. Because without one rule, nothing means anything. You know, pe- people say, uh, you know, well, why didn't God just not, not do that? Because w- without some kind of rule, love is not possible. 
You know, we hear this phrase often said in our secular culture, and Christians have adapted this, adopted this, and, and we've done this throughout the last 2,000 years. We adopt secular concepts because we think it fits real well, and sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But this concept, and you've heard preached, not by me, but by many other preachers, the idea of unconditional love. We hear that phrase, unconditional love, unconditional love. I love my children unconditionally. No, you don't. There's conditions. If you loved all children unconditionally, you'd love those screaming kids in Walmart going down the aisle. Uh, you don't worry about them. Thank God they're not yours, all right? <clears throat> because they didn't meet the one condition. They have to be yours, right? There's all conditions. Uh, this idea that you can have unconditional love, you know, uh, I'm looking for a boy or a woman that we can just share unconditional love. It's not possible. Love cannot exist in an unconditional state. It's absurd. I know it sounds warm and fuzzy. I'm just, listen to me, think it through. Unconditional love does not work. Even when you get married, it starts with the conditions, better or worse, sickness and health. I can't date other chicks anymore. It's just one of the rules, all right? This, <clears throat> why? Because without rules, love is not possible. And people will say, well, gee, I, I just want to have relationships where, you know, uh, we won't have any rules. You can do that, but I promise you, I promise you, you will not experience love. There, without conditions, there is not love. So God had to give at least one condition to see whether or not these people love him. Look, you got everything. Here's one tree. Don't touch this one. Don't have anything to do with it. And then uh, it, the Bible says every day God would come and walk with Adam in the garden. And they would, I mean, well, how cool had that to be? I mean, wow. And then Satan comes along and in the form of a serpent and lies to Eve and says, you can do it. It's fine. God just is holding out on you. He doesn't want you to be as free as he is. Man, free, 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 free. And Eve goes, oh, okay. <laughs> and and she takes it, and her husband, who's dumber than she is, you know, the devil didn't say anything to him. He just followed what she said. Right? And he wasn't thinking it through, and he did the thing. And then, instead of going to God, they ran, and they hid. And we read the story where God says, Adam, where you at? Like, God didn't know where he was at, you know. Uh, but he was hiding. He was ashamed. I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed. Don't, don't run away from God. Even when you make mistakes, now, and even for those of you older and, and in the church, listen, it's one thing to take a total disregard of your faith, but even if you don't, you're still going to mess up. Isn't that encouraging? We all make mistakes. We all sin. When you sin, don't go hiding. Don't go running. Come to God. The good news of this story is the son decides not to run away from his father, like Adam and Eve, but he came to his father. So we read that he got up and he went to his father, and you can imagine, he gets close and he can see the house, and he's got a ways to go yet, you know, maybe he's a half a mile away or whatever, and oh, the dread, and he's rehearsing in his mind what he's going to say and how he's going to deal with this humiliating situation. But it says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was angry and said, if that kid ever shows up here again, I want you to run him off with a stick. No, see, what was his response? Remember, Jesus telling the story to be like God. He says, when he saw him coming back, he was filled with compassion for him. He runs to his son. 
If anybody had a right to be angry, it would be dad. Right? Dead to rights. And you parents know what I'm talking about. Something you tell your kids, you tell your kids, and then they do it anyway. <laughs> Drives you crazy. He had every right to be bitter and angry and have nothing to do with him and get rid of him. But as soon as he saw him coming, he runs to him. He throws his arms around him, Jesus says, and he kissed him. Well, the son is probably, okay, I got the speech. Then he says, okay, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But before he can finish the rest of his speech, the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. He probably looked horrible, right? He'd been hanging out with the pigs. My guess is he didn't smell very good. Bring the best robe, put it on and put a ring on his finger. I'd say, you know, take him, get a shower, but it doesn't say that. <laughs> put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. The guy didn't even have shoes. He's coming back barefoot, the humiliation. They said, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Bad news if you're the fatted calf. <laughs> Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. What happened after that? Well, the one brother had a bit of a hard time with it. Christians, sometimes we have a hard time seeing others being forgiven when we're still mad at them. And we've got to be careful not to do that. We don't know the end of the story. My guess is he was still pretty broke. His inheritance was gone. You can't get it back. I mean, there's consequences to things. You know, like I said last week, if, you, if you're Humpty Dumpty and you fall and smash in a bunch of pieces, we'll put you back together again. You can always come home. You might look a little cracked, but we'll, we'll be there for you. And sometimes there's cracks that stick with you for a while. That's why you want to avoid that. But never run away. You can always come home and, and be healed and let God touch you. And he will throw open his arms. And that will always be, hopefully, our attitude towards you is that you always have a home here. You can always come to the Father. And we're going to celebrate our time of communion now as our musicians come back out. Did you enjoy this today? Wasn't that kind of sweet? That's kind of fun. Very, very different. By the way, if the camera, or the TV you're watching me on or whatever has been freaking out the whole time, it's because cameras don't like stripes. All right? I, I tried to buy a non-striped version, but I couldn't find anything that fit me. Now, I'm not saying all guys who wear biv overalls are huge and grossly overweight, <laughs> but apparently most of them are. And, uh, you know, 48 waists and so these are massive, you know, like a use for a sail if you needed to out, out, out on a boat. And, uh, and I, couldn't even, I couldn't find anything. I found this folded on a shelf somewhere, and I went, it's my size. I look like a train engineer, but I'll go with it. It's the only thing I could find. So sorry if, if the screens have been weird uh, to you today. I wasn't trying to torture you. But anyway, um, we celebrate this wonderful grace, right? The grace of God in, in our lives and what God has done for us. And uh, I want us to... Uh, pray a prayer. We're going to pray a prayer home here about forgiveness and grace. You know, the Bible says whenever we have a time of communion like this, we should pause 
and examine ourselves. And uh, where are you at today? How have you done this week? You know, no matter whether you've done everything right or you've really messed up, whether it's big or small, there's always forgiveness here and there's always grace and we celebrate that. I want you to bow your heads with me and we're going to pray a prayer, just a very simple prayer uh, of forgiveness right now for all of us. Father, I thank you for your kindness. Today we celebrate this wonderful grace as we read the story of the prodigal son, how no matter what this boy had done, he came to the father and the father ran to him. Lord, I pray for all of us this morning, whether uh, we've had a great week or maybe we've really struggled, been filled with anger, bitterness, said things we should have said, done things we shouldn't have done, avoided things that we should have done, whatever our situation, Lord, I pray that you would forgive all of us. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin, that we have found redemption through Jesus Christ. And while every head's bowed, we're all praying. If you've never asked Jesus in your life, this whole thing we're talking about is new to you, uh, whether you're in here or at Stevens Point or watching us online and saying, you know, I would like that. I would like to know God the way you guys are talking about. Why don't you just pray in your own words right now? Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Ask Jesus to come into your life. You say, well, I've done a lot of terrible things. Yeah, some of us have done really awful things, just like the boy in this story. But whenever we come, he cleans us up. He makes us whole. He embraces us. He doesn't reject us. Just ask him into your life and he will come and be there for you.